Today from the Global Lane, Hagia Sophia now a mosque. Turkish Caliphate rising, or is there a bigger threat to U.S. interests in the Middle East? Today, Iran has become a, a front porch for China rather than a backyard. Final vaccine testing underway, but a Michigan doctor says he's had success treating COVID-19 patients naturally, building up immunities. The sound of liberty and ringing the alarm against attacks on American heritage and culture. And two Latino canines, setting the example during chaotic times. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Turkey's Hagia Sophia, once the largest Christian cathedral in the world, is a mosque once again. It was converted from a church to a mosque more than 500 years ago, and then became a museum in 1934. Now the call to prayer, the World Heritage Site. And after a Turkish court ruled last week that it could be converted to a mosque once again, Turkish President Erdogan said, quote, Revival of the Hagia Sophia is a sign towards the return of freedom to the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. Well, joining us with more is retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Sargas Sangari. Mr. Sangari is running for Congress in Illinois' 9th District, but he's here today to talk to us in his role as the CEO of the Near East Center of Strategic Engagement, and he knows the region well. He's an Iraq War combat veteran, a former member of U.S. Army Special Operational Forces. Sargas, thank you for joining us. So, First, I want to ask you what you make of Erdogan's move to convert the Hagia Sophia into a mosque. What's really behind all of this? What do you think? It's good to be here, Gary. Erdogan's uh, move is similar as it has been for years, as he was allowing ISIS to move through his borders into Syria and also northern Iraq. He has always looked at uh, Turkey being that caliphate to come back and be able to be the elite for Islam throughout the globe. And he has to take these certain steps. Of course, he took these steps during the time that we are, are celebrating, uh, hate to say, the 25th anniversary of the genocide that took place in the Bosnia-Herzegovina war. So it was prime for him to take that step because a lot of the uh, northern European uh, nations do have Turkmen and individuals that are tied ethnically to Turkey that are part of their fabric. So this was a nothing more than a bold move there in order, in order to also be able to support his aggression in Iraq. He is currently conducting bombing operations in Iraq. He is uh, leading NATO operations in Libya against Russia. And it's a matter of Turkey getting back to prominence as it was in the past. I constantly hear from Kurds and Christians in Syria and Iraq that Erdogan is victimizing them as he reasserts Turkish dominance in the Middle East. So what can you tell us about that, and what should the U.S. do about it? Well, U.S. Uh, has a NATO ally in this case, and in this case is Erdogan. And Erdogan is uh, leading those battles on behalf of the U.S. against the Russians and Libya and also parts of Syria. However, at the same time, Erdogan is playing both sides. He is also working with Iran to be able to neutralize the Kurds that have become a pestilence internal uh, within his borders. Uh, he has expanded into Iraq. And uh, as you say, a, uh, an, you know, friend of uh, an enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, him, uh, Erdogan, Iran, and also at the same time, Iraq are working together to really squeeze the Kurds to ensure that there is no internal disputes that they have to deal with as the entire region becomes bloodier in the future. Well, that's a big issue for Iraq. And you'd mentioned the bombings. Turkey bombing Iraq. What do you see happening in Iraq in the coming weeks? 
Well, the new prime minister of Iraq uh, will be here in the United States uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, he has already bucked against the Iranians, uh, given that Iran is having internal issues. Um, he has been able to at least establish himself as someone who will also go after Iranian operators within Iran. He is making changes, trying to ensure that he at the same time squeezes the Kurds by ensuring that the corruption that was leading their coffers for so many years is not going to be part of the future of Iraqi fabric. He has already taken over the border crossings in uh, Turkey. He will expand those border crossings between Turkey and Iraq and Iran and uh, Iraq uh, to ensure that all the economic monies that were being lost uh, to Iraq will be returned to them. He has already struck a deal with the Kurds to ensure that at least 50 percent of the oil revenues that they were not being accounted for are returned back to Iraq. So, so on the issue of Iran, they've had at least three fires recently at the Natanz nuclear facility, and Trump still wants a new deal with the Islamic Republic. What is likely to happen there, Sargis? The issue is not Iran and the United States. The issue is the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which is led by China. China has been expanding its footprint within the region under the previous administration, but it initially established a new vision for the relationship between the United States and China on a global stage. Uh, as the previous administration pulled out of the Middle East and started focusing on South America and Pakistan, uh, China was able to expand its footprint. China has even been able to expand its footprint under current administration, even though the current administration has bucked against China economically. China has still managed to squeeze India, our partner, by and also has been able to move into Djibouti into strategic locations in North Africa. Iran's regime currently is looking at possibly being squeezed by sanctions to tune of $400 billion, pretty much sell Iran to the Chinese regime. So regardless of who is going to be the next POTUS in the next 100 years, on 100 days, I should say, uh, China is expanding its footprint within the region using the U.S. dollars that it has gotten from the manufacturing base that we have built for China to be able to buy influence within the region. Initially, I had written an article on backyard wars that was uh, indicating how these wars in the future are fought between major powers. Today, Iran has become a, a front porch for China rather than a backyard. Sarkis Ngari, CEO of the Near East Center of Strategic Engagement, thank you for your insights today. It's good to be here. Thank you very much. Good news on the battle against COVID-19. A vaccine tested in the U.S. revved up people's immune systems just the way scientists had hoped. The Moderna company says it will start final testing on 30,000 people to see if the shots are really strong enough to protect against the coronavirus. The vaccine is being developed by Dr. Anthony Fauci's colleagues at the National Institute of Health. The government hopes to have results by the end of the year. We're pretty cautiously optimistic that at the end of the year, beginning of this coming 2021, we will have one and maybe more, I hope more than one vaccine that would be available. In the meantime, what can people do besides mask wearing and hand washing to protect themselves against the coronavirus? Well, joining us from West Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, is Dr. David Brownstein. Dr. Brownstein is the author of 15 books, and he's just completed a study of COVID-19 and about 107 patients in Detroit 
who were given immunotherapy. Dr. Bronstein, good to have you with us. So your results are astonishing. I understand only one patient out of 107 was actually hospitalized. So tell us how you treated them. What were the results? Well, Gary, this was a 20-year project. We've been treating people with flu and flu-like illnesses for the last 20 years using an approach to support the immune system. And so when COVID was coming, we were hopeful that our therapy would work against this new virus that we haven't seen before. And to our surprise and to our, we actually wasn't so much of a surprise because we, we were hopeful that it would work and it did work. And so we ended up treating 107 patients diagnosed with COVID. We had one hospitalized, no ventilators, no deaths. And we treated some very sick patients with it too. And it was a regimen of using oral vitamins and it included oral vitamin A, C, D, and iodine, and then nebulized hydrogen peroxide. And if they were sicker or they needed a little bit more therapy, intravenous doses of vitamin C, hydrogen peroxide, and shots of ozone. And this regimen um, really improved, we think it improved the immune system enough to allow people to overcome this. Because really, the only cure for COVID that we have right now is the immune system. That's people get sick and recover. They're recovering because their immune system uh, overcame the illness. And you know, we're keeping stats of people who are recovered from COVID. And you know, they recovered because their immune system recovered since we don't have a direct therapy to treat COVID. So it's really strengthening their immune system. And, and you had astonishing results. Uh, how long did it take people to recover? Well, you know, I have this in the paper, but... Most people recovered, you know, within seven days. Um, and it, it varied anywhere between two to eight days for most people. We had some who took a little bit longer, some who took a little bit less. But, you know, as soon as we started the therapy, their symptoms started to feel better. And this is the exact same therapy we've been using for the last 20 years. And we felt the last 20 years was just practice for something like this. And I understand, uh, Dr. Bronstein, that you ran into some difficulties with the government when you actually posted some of those results, patient testimonies online. Please explain what happened. So I was posting testimonials from the patients and I was acting as the interviewer. And some of them were mine, some of them were my partners. And uh, we received a warning letter from, or I received a warning letter from the FTC telling me that they considered, they didn't consider them testimonials or case histories, which is what I thought I was doing. They consider them advertisement for my practice. and. In the letter, they said that since there's no treatment, preventive or cure for COVID um, shown by human studies, that therefore any mention of such, you know, was illegal according to some FTC rule. And so they demanded that we took them down and we did take them down. And I was in the middle of writing the study when I got this letter and finished the study. And now, you know, we do have a human study. And I understand a vaccine may be available by the end of the year. So what are you advising your patients about that? Well, let's hope the vaccine is safe and effective. And what am I advising my patients? I'm saying, let's wait and see what they come up with. Um, we all need to keep in mind, it's, this is being rushed to market and you know, we're, we're bypassing animal studies. Um, so I think we need to have a, a, a scientific eye on this and really watch it closely. And I hope they come up with a good vaccine because we, we could use one right now. But um, I also think we need to look very closely at what they're putting out there and you know, how this thing is gonna work. Well, not to mention long-term side effects. I mean, we, we have no idea on that until after it's being used 
for several years. I've got to ask your thoughts on a recent report out of Orlando, Florida, about COVID-19 testing. A Fox 35 News investigation found that labs are reporting unbelievably high positivity coronavirus rates in their testing. I think one was as high as 100% because they're not reporting negative results. Your thoughts on that? Might labs and hospitals be inflating the COVID-19 numbers? Well, from the beginning, there, there's been problems with the data on COVID-19. And from the beginning, there's been problems with the testing on COVID-19. So the tests, the, the PCR tests have too many false positives. Um, there's too many false negatives. And our data has been a disaster. And, you know, we're, we're working with, with bad data and we've been working with bad data. So my thoughts on this are that um, we, the focus should be right now on giving people a stronger immune system. So if they become ill with something, any viral illness, including coronavirus, that their immune systems can get over it, just as we were designed to do by our maker. You know, the human body is a pretty wonderful thing. We give it the basic raw materials. It should be able to function optimally in times of stress, in times of a viral illness, and in times of coronavirus. Okay, strengthening that uh, immune system from West Bloomfield, Michigan. Dr. David Brownstein, we thank you for taking time away from your patients today to talk with us. Thank you for having me. Pressures from the far left demanding societal change are mounting. We've seen riots, neighborhoods burned, statues forcibly torn down, and little children killed in our inner cities. And people are called out daily on social media for sharing politically incorrect views. So what can and should Americans who love our system of government do to push back and at the same time help bring about racial reconciliation and justice? Well, a group of patriotic Christians gathered recently in Blissfield, Michigan, for a liberty rally called Let Freedom Ring. Liz Doyle and Lenawee County Commissioner, former state representative Nancy Jenkins Arno, organized that event. They join us now to explain. So, Liz, let's start with you. Why Blissfield, Michigan, of all places? Well, Blissfield was one of the very first abolitionist uh, villages in Michigan. And when they settled here in Blissfield, the, the founders were first of all Christians and secondly abolitionists. And uh, so they got together here and we just felt that God was leading us. And I live here to actually proclaim liberty yet again, right from the very spot that those early abolitionists declared it. So Blissfield, Michigan, I'm from Michigan, so I know that's just south of Jackson, right? Yeah, it is. Commissioner Jenkins Arno, the timing of the event is interesting. So why now and what did you hope to accomplish? Well, um, the timing was, um, well, actually, I got um, angry while watching the news um, shows on TV and seeing what was happening across America and, and just understanding that um, our freedoms were being attacked and, and um, they needed to be defended. And so um, that's what kind of uh, brought me to the point of wanting to do something. And so um, I actually, I got down on my knees and I said, God, what can I do? And out of that prayer came this rally. And so um, what we uh, hope to accomplish is that uh, we wanted to, well, first of all, I just want to say that uh, we, we chose um, July 8th because that is the day in 1776 when the Liberty Bell was rung for the first time to call people from um, that area to come and hear the Declaration of Independence read for the first time. 
And so um, we wanted to do uh, three things with our rally. Um, first of all, we wanted to celebrate America. Bells are rung to celebrate. wanted to celebrate our freedoms and we also wanted to sound an alarm because bells also are used to sound alarms and so we wanted to um, send out the alarm that our freedoms were um, under attack and needing a, and needing to be defended why were those actions important to the attendees those are important because it reminds us of where we came from it reminds us of who we are as a nation it reminds us what we're building upon so many people want to tear down uh, what is here, when in fact what God wants to do and what he always does is he builds on what is there. And as a result, we, we called it uh, the reading of the two declarations of independence, the first and then the second, the Emancipation Proclamation. We made a covenant um, with God, when the signers made it a covenant um, when they signed that um, document, the Declaration of Independence. and so. Um, it was important for us to read that document at our rally. And um, as Liz said, the Emancipation Proclamation was our second Declaration of Independence that set our African-American brothers and sisters free. And so it was important for us to read that as well. How concerned are you then when you hear Americans on the far left describe patriotic events like the one you just held and the presidents at Mount Rushmore as being racist? Well, you know, I think they are looking at what happened in 1776 through the lens of 2020. And uh, we have to be very careful when we do that because we can't put our standards on them. They were living in a different time and their reality was different than ours. I'm not saying that what they did was, you know, what they were practicing was correct. But, you know, when they signed the Declaration of Independence, they appealed to the Supreme Judge for the rectitude of their intentions. And when, they, when the uh, declaration was written, it says that all men are created equal. And it said they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, so that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so they said their intention was that um, that document applied to all men, regardless of their color. They appealed to the judge to um, make correct their intentions. And so, you know, that's I, I believe the Emancipation Proclamation was making their intentions correct, and then we are carrying that forward as those um, liberties are being threatened once again. We are carrying that forward to appeal to heaven once again and ask the Supreme Judge to, for the rectitude of their intentions. And finally, Liz, participants prayed at that event, so why is prayer so important at rallies like these? Prayer is important because God wants to speak to us, and in fact, it was very interesting at this particular rally because um, we remembered Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s um, prophecy, as it were. His prayer was, let freedom ring from the villages to the hamlets to the cities. And it, it's as if this is coming to pass because God, I believe, is calling every person in America to let freedom ring. And they can let that happen in their village, in their town, in their city. And we believe that's what God is calling Americans to do. They can do this themselves. We did it from our front yard and calling our neighbors together to let freedom ring. And while we were there, one of the brothers, uh, an African-American prophet, he joined us 
And he gave us such a wonderful word from the Lord about how the Holy Spirit was, was greater as he that's in us than he that's in the world. And that he wants us to partner together, to join together, to bring that message of salvation to this nation, because that's the true message of liberty. Well, a great idea right there in Blissfield, Michigan. Liz Doyle, County Commissioner Nancy Jenkins Arno, thank you so much for setting us straight today. That's thank great. you so much. Thank you. Oh boy, you ever feel a bit overwhelmed? Perhaps even discouraged by all the negative news lately? I know I am. We're constantly bombarded by the COVID-19 crisis, ongoing protests, violence, and demands for societal change. And in many states and cities, people are prohibited from attending church just to sing or pray. But there is some relief. How about praying with friends and family online or at home? The church is not the building. It's the people, the body of Christ. I've learned from all the persecuted Christians that I've met around the world over the years that despite government restrictions and hostilities, the gospel message of Jesus Christ cannot be silenced. Our prayers cannot be stopped. And I have to share this video that is making the rounds on social media. It made my day. I hope it makes yours too. Lula, vamos a orar. Amado Señor, te damos gracias por los alimentos que nos vamos a servir. Bendice las manos que lo proveyeron en el nombre poderoso de Jesús. Amén. Even the stones will cry out, or in this case, the dogs. Thanking the Lord in the precious name of Jesus, that's what they did. Convicted to pray more often by that, I know I am. If a couple of canines can pray before consuming their kibbles and bits, can't we spend a little more time praising and petitioning our Creator? Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, and now on Parlor. And until next time, be blessed. <laughs>